Hello and welcome to the Missing Peace Podcast. I'm your host Becca and here we talk about everything related to how we can reconnect to ourselves to live the life we truly want. I am passionate about helping people come back to themselves, feel comfortable in their own skin and find inner peace, freedom and fulfillment. I hope that listening to this podcast can inspire you to start your own journey to find the missing peace within. Hey everybody, welcome back and I am so excited to share this episode with you today with Lightworker Stephanie Babane. She's actually somebody who um, has become a a soul friend to me over the past couple of months and what I mean by that is somebody who's just, and I know she's just really connected to me even though we're on the other sides of the pond and she's really supported me through my own healing journey and yeah, she reached out actually I think it was, uh, yeah, she joined the Intuitive Vegans Facebook group, which is a group that I have that's anti-diet and it's for vegans. So that's still on Facebook if anybody wants to join that. And we've both been on our own journeys of having a healthy relationship with food and fitness. But actually what we're going to talk about in this episode is something that Steph knows a lot about and feels very passionate about, which is healing your inner child. So I just think she's got a really, just a really beautiful voice and a power to it. And her story yeah it's just it's really beautiful to hear the unfolding of it and how she's followed these signs which have then led her to where she is now and so she shares about that in the episode and she also shares about what our inner child is do we all have one how do we heal the inner child how does it show up in our adult lives and how our inner child can have an effect on our family unit on our children and also just talking about how we can help children develop into what is a a more, I guess, a more connected child, a more self-aware child and develop some beautiful habits in them from a young age as she's worked with children in behavior for a long time. So, so yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date. So, hey, Steph, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Becca, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be on here. This is such a cool opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, amazing. No, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So for everybody listening, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do, and how you got here? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, my name is Stephanie, and I'm a light worker. Um, a light worker is someone who works with people who, um, you know, we all have an, a light within us. And so I'm someone that helps to bring that out. I'm a spirituality and mindset coach, and I utilize yoga and Reiki within my practices to help people connect to their light, to step into who they truly are, their true selves is what I would call it. Uh, so how I got here, it's kind of funny. So I, I want to say it kind of started when I was a teenager because that's when I first started working with children. Uh, My sister worked at a school. Well, first it started actually as like a CIT, you know, when you're like just looking for work and you're just starting out. And so like you work at a camp. So I was like a counselor in training. And so that's really what started me working with kids. And then from there, you know, I did little bits. um, Like I worked at a, a gym and I was like working at the kids club. And then For a little bit, I had no work and my sister was working at a school and said, hey, you know, like they really need substitutes. And so I started working there and that transitioned me into having my own class. And so I worked at that school for about six years. And within that time, there was a lot of 
self-growth happening. I moved out on my own and that was a big part of my spiritual journey as well was like learning to live by myself. Uh, within that time, I really, you know, started to, to get to know how to take care of myself, right? Like no one was there to buy my groceries or, you know, tell me to wake up at a certain time. Like, and I was paying bills for the first time by myself. Like before that I'd had a roommate, like I was doing those things, but not by myself. And somewhere along the way within working at that school, I started to realize that I wasn't fully like satisfied working there. I knew that there was kind of a threshold to how high I could go in terms of, of you know, moving up. Um, I went from substitute to floater. A floater is like the substitute that's always there. I went from assistant to having my own class. And then really from there, what else is there? It's like director of early childhood or a principal of the school. None of those things, which I wanted. So I was like, well, there has to be more. Like, what else can I do? And so one day, you know, I had a student who was having some behavior issues and he got a therapist that came into his class. Uh, it was a behavioral therapist practicing something called ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. And watching him was so magnificent. Watching the therapist with him was so magnificent because I saw so many significant changes in the student. And what was really so important was that I was learning how to respond to that child as well, because a big part of ABA is generalization. So whatever it is that you're teaching the child, like the therapist is teaching the child, it has to be taught to the caretakers of that child as well, because whatever skills they're learning you don't want them to just do it with that one person. You want them to be able to do the skills in all scenarios. So, and what I learned was that this science, ABA, it's for anyone, truly, it's behavior, but it's primarily for um, treatment of children on the spectrum, people on the spectrum. So I see this interaction, this change in this child, and I ask the therapist, I'm like, how do I do this? How do I become this? And a parent, you know, and I was so concerned because like I didn't have a college degree. I didn't think like it was going to be something I could do. And apparently it didn't matter. Apparently I could become a behavioral therapist with just a high school degree. And so I committed myself to that. And so I did that. So I started to become a behavioral therapist while working this job, this uh, teaching job as well. And that was one of the most transformational jobs of my life because I was working with children who didn't have social skills, didn't have the ability to take care of themselves in, their, in the most basic of ways, like getting dressed. I had one child who wasn't even able to speak. He needed to use um, an iPad, an augmentative device to communicate. And so a lot of my time with him was teaching him that. And what's so challenging about that job and also really cool is, you know, as the kids improve, it's on you as the therapist to get more creative with challenging them. Like I don't create their, um, their programs. Someone else does that. My boss does that, but it's on me to be creative on how to implement them, how to co collect the data as well, because you're collecting data. That's the only measurable way to see if the child is making improvements. So it's also being able to decipher like, for example, one of the things I would teach them is like, touch your nose, like just 
identifying body parts touching your nose. And, but so if they went here, right, like that's a no, like if they went on their eye, that's a no. Or if I had to, there's different prompts. So like if I had to assist them in bringing their hand to their nose, that's a no, but I still taught them, right? The only way you got a yes is if they independently did it. So being on top of that, being able to interrupt their, um, you know, if they're stemming and they're hitting themselves. So you're just really on at that job and it has to be fun. You have to be so fun because what we're asking the children to do is so difficult for them. And so what we, what they associate us with most of the time is work. They see us and they're like, no, (laughs) like I have to do hard things. So our job is to come in and be as fun as possible when we first come in and throw as much fun into the mix, right? Like every time that they do something, you celebrate them like crazy. And it's a lot of energy. And it taught me so much about people. And it taught me to be so grateful for the, the little things in life. And all while watching that, you know, I would see the parents give so much of themselves to having these children. I would see, um, the hardship that would come with it, but also like some of them were just so admirable. Like it was, they were so selfless. And I just felt like these people deserve to be able to take care of themselves so that they can, can keep being there for their children. And, you know, some of them, I'm sure kind of struggled with the fact that they had a child who would never be quote unquote normal, right? Like would never be the neurotypical child that they probably anticipated having when they were first having children. So it created a lot of compassion in me. Um, somewhere along the way, I decided it would be a wise idea to also become a personal trainer and work at a gym. So I'm working three jobs at this point and really starting to have zero time for myself, like just completely drained, no energy. And I'm seeing it in myself. I'm seeing it in the work that I do, right? Like working with children your patience is constantly being tried. So if I'm like about to go off on a trial, that's on me where I'm like, why? Like, why is that happening? Am I really about to lash out at a little being who is just, you know, being themselves? Uh, Because that's the thing about children. They're so themselves, right? Like they're so playful. They're so joyful. They're untouched, really, for, for as long as possible. They're untouched and it's just, their external environments that start to take them out of that. So I'm working these three jobs and really starting to kind of lose it. And I decide I cannot do the behavioral therapy job anymore. It was so much driving. I kept getting into car accidents and it wasn't fulfilling me the way that I thought it would because it was just energy that I I, I guess I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could give. And it was such a difficult decision for me because I knew it was such life-changing work, because I knew I was good at it. I was really good at it. Like I had a wonderful boss who I'm so close to now. Um, Shout out to Limitless Learning if anyone needs a therapist, just FYI, Vanessa. And so it was a really difficult decision for me to make. And the moment I made that decision fully was actually at my first ever Reiki circle. Found a Reiki circle because there was a uh, animal sanctuary nearby. And so I was like, oh, I really want to go to that animal sanctuary. Reiki sounds cool. Healing sounds like something I need. I'll go to that. And there was a fire burning ceremony. I had no idea what Reiki was, by the way. 
So it was a fire burning ceremony where we wrote down all the things that we were ready to let go of. And so I wrote down my job as a therapist, held it in my, like by my heart and cried and threw it in the fire. And I knew like that was it. Like I was letting this go and it was okay. I wasn't hurting anyone. Like it's just, that was it. It was time to let it go. So um, within that, that was kind of my leading to Reiki. So I got Reiki and then the next day, I was like really, really, really sick. And I didn't really understand why. I was really sick. Like in a way I'd never been sick before. I couldn't get up. I was so dizzy. Thought I had a stomach bug, but I was like, I'm not throwing up. Like nothing's really happening. I even Googled like, could Reiki make you sick? But I just like didn't believe it. So I was sick for like eight hours that day. And I was just, then finally felt better. And I was like, well, I guess it was just a bug. And I move on. Um, so then it's just me as a teacher and a personal trainer. And because I was a personal trainer at that gym across the street was a yoga studio and my coworker at, um, at the gym told me there was free yoga on Sundays. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like I'll try it. Why not? Tried one yoga class, went to every Sunday class after that, completely fell in love with it. So I'm just starting out in yoga, just had my first like raking counter, just let go of this job. And then boom, pandemic hits, right? So, <laughs> so I am going from working literally from like 5.30 a.m. meeting clients at the gym to 11 p.m. because I would want to get my workouts in too. So I'm just go, 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 exhausted, barely getting any sleep having no time to myself, just deciding like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to be a personal trainer and a teacher and figure out the rest to like stay home, <laughs> stay home, do nothing. And um, that's it. And I was so lucky, truly, honestly, I was so grateful, so fortunate that my school ensured that we were still getting paid. So I was really one of the very, 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 very lucky people who was not in a financially scary place with the pandemic. I had very little work to do because I worked with such young kids. So like the, the school year got interrupted. So all we had were like small virtual classes and, or, and you know, they're little, so they barely paid attention. Um, so I would work for maybe two hours of the day and then the rest of the day I had all to myself. So I was like, I'm going to use this time. And I used it. I did. I listened to self-help books. I listened to girl, wash your face. I listened to you are a badass and you are a badass is really when my spirituality took like a kick into high gear. Um, on top of that, I started doing yoga every single day from the nonprofit that had the free classes that I was going to previously. So I started meditating big time. I started yogaing all the time. All I did was exercise, which, you know, was great, but led into some disordered patterns, which, you know, we can cover on another talk or next question. But so I'm like, honestly, one of the, the thriving people I would consider in, um, in quarantine. And there was one day where I finished a yoga practice and I texted this friend who's a good friend of mine now didn't really know her that well at the time. Just she was the she was my yoga teacher, and so I texted her. 
I don't know who I have to thank. So I'm just going to thank you for these yoga classes because they are bringing me a piece I have never known so much so that I know now I want to be a yoga teacher. And so she's super kind and she's like, let's get together for lunch and like we can talk about resources. At that lunch, she um, tells me about this woman, Michelle Alva. And this has nothing to do with yoga. She just tells me about this woman, Michelle Alva, and she is like a major manifester. She's all about sexuality. And I'm like, you know what? Sounds like something I could use. Let me like look into her. Um, look into her. Basically, she becomes my first ever coach. And what ended up happening was she wasn't really just my coach. Like I ended up learning her method and I fall into this huge self-love, um, self-love phase. And within that manifested my yoga teacher training with the nonprofit that I started doing yoga with. Somewhere along the way, I saw the Reiki master that held the Reiki circle that I initially went to, um, was hosting a level one Reiki training. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know why I just feel like this is something cool that I could try. And I remember the day that she was, you know, putting us into meditation. We got there and she was like, you're here. I didn't know why I was there. I really didn't. I was just like, I think this is something I should try. And she said, you're here because you had a calling. And that, and those words brought tears to my eyes because I was like, is that what this is? That is what this is. It's a calling. And so I think it's just really interesting the way all of these things kind of, all these synchronicities started to happen without even me like trying. And uh, so that's that's how I became a yoga teacher and a Reiki master. And the way that I developed my business Mindful Munchkins is within all of this, a mom that was a part of the class that got interrupted in the middle of the year called me and was like, hey... I have a feeling that we're not going to go back to school like this year. So if that's the case, would you be interested in teaching a small group of kids in my garage? And I was like, you really think that's going to happen? <laughs> like, you really think that's going to be a thing? And she was like, yeah, I do. And so I agreed under the condition that they would all commit to me for the full 10 month school year because I was risking leaving a job that I'd been at for six years that didn't pay a lot, but was consistent income. And, you know, they were good to me. And I got every single parent to agree and sign that contract. And when I say leaving that job was not easy, it wasn't easy. They didn't really receive it well because to them, I think it seemed a little sneaky and like I was leaving for the money when in reality I just knew this was my opportunity to to leave to do something different right like I knew that I wasn't going to stay at that school forever right like my story started with like I knew there wasn't a lot of growth there that's why I sought behavioral therapy that's why I saw being a personal trainer I wanted something different and then here the universe presented me with this opportunity to still do something that I love teaching kids but in a different way, doing more, and then I'll figure out the rest. And so I taught in a garage for a full 10 months, 
seven children. And in teaching them, I got to utilize every self-love tool that I got from working with Michelle, every mindfulness tool that I got from yoga, everything that I learned from Reiki, I incorporated it into that because my belief has always been like, and everything that I learned about behavioral therapy, oh my God, like that has just changed the game because I, I need, I believe so deeply that children need to be children and that we need to talk to children like they're people and give them so much more credit than where it's due. Let them make mistakes, let them play and let them learn from those mistakes. Give them a stick and some rocks and see what they come up with because like they are so creative, right? They don't need all this stuff. They need to be told how special they are, how loved they are. Um, they need to learn how to tell themselves that, right? Like zero to seven is such an important and sensitive age. And so that was what I wanted for Mindful Munchkins. And so that's where I'm now venturing off and finding a way to still do that and also work with adults and their inner children because I see the way the interactions that people have with children is just so not what it could be, I guess, for lack of a better word. So that's, that's my quick story, I guess, as to how I got here and how I become a spiritual teacher. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing, Steph, because obviously we've known each other for a few months, but I don't know the full, you know, your full story at all, of course. And so it's just been really beautiful to hear it all and, and how you, you've basically had, um, like you said, been on this kind of spiritual journey and you've just kind of followed these signs and these opportunities have come up and, and something has made you kind of um, take them opportunities and follow them. And I just think that's really beautiful because then it's just shown the unfolding of this, of this story that you've been on and this journey that you've been on for the past couple of years. So yeah, really loved hearing that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I just want to hear a little bit more about um, what you were saying there towards the end. You were talking about our inner child, talking about the age of zero to seven. For anyone who's listening who doesn't really know what this is, what what is our inner child? Like, who are they? Do we all have one? Um, yeah, just, just if you can share on that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, okay, so uh, to answer your question about do we all have an inner child? Yes, absolutely, we do. Um, in regards to ages zero to seven. So the reason ages zero to seven are so important is because that is when your subconscious mind is developing. And it is your subconscious mind that develops, that runs, I would say like 95% of what we do, right? It's the reason that we're able to do so many things at once, like driving a car, where we can just get to where we're going without a thought because we have just subconsciously ingrained how to drive a car into our mind. We don't have to think twice about it. So zero to seven is when all of our beliefs about ourselves um, and the world are created. And the way that those beliefs are created are based on what we're taught in our external environment and the people that we're around and the way that we interact socially. So um, we all have an inner child 100%. Following on from that, then, um, just to go back to what you were saying about your teaching as well, your teaching with the children and then seeing the development in your in the parents as well. Um, can you see an effect of the uh, like the inner child of adults on children? Like, can you see where maybe if they haven't healed their inner child, has that had an effect on their child? Like, um, is there anything that you kind of noticed on that through your your teaching? Yes. OK, so. The reason I say we all have an inner child is because 
whenever we are having an experience in which we're triggered, right? So let's say we're having a trigger. Most likely it's because your inner child is being triggered. Your inner child is scared. So for example, if you had a really dysfunctional childhood in which I'll even speak for me on my example, you know, like I had a lot of fighting at home. There was a lot of fighting. Um, there was a, a family member with an eating disorder. There was alcoholism in my family. So I learned as a child uh, that chaos was normal. I learned um, that keeping the peace was the best thing to do to avoid conflict. I learned um, that skinny is beautiful, right? Watching my loved one not speak nicely about their body. Uh, th those are things that I learned that, that were ingrained into my subconscious mind before I even had any awareness that that would be the case. And so I've been able to now watch it manifest in my own life. I remember there was a very specific time in my life where things were going really well. And I had this moment where I was like, why am I so anxious if things are going well? And I realized it was because I was waiting for the next shoe to drop. It was because things were going too well and I'm not used to that. And I think that's something that so many of us do where we're like, things are going well, something bad's about to happen. When that's actually really not how life works. Like it's absolutely perfectly acceptable to feel good all the time and have things going well. So the way that I see it manifest in other people is when people are quick to anger or get offended really quickly or triggered in some way, it's like they're having a tantrum. That's the best way that I can describe it. Mm, like, yeah. you know, when you see two adults yelling at each other, it's two children tantruming at each other, yelling like, no, you're stupid. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. that's mine, right? Like, they're just acting out. They're just lashing out because they're afraid. That's ultimately what anything is at the end of the day. It's rooted in fear. And so when I see parents reacting to their children by yelling at them or by taking things that their children say personally, that's their inner child, right? Like, if you are able to acknowledge that, because that's something that I really had to learn as a teacher, right? When I would start to yell, when I would start to lose my patience, that's little stuff, right? That's little stuff getting upset at something uh, that, that only I'm seeing. That's just my perception, right? Because all of our lives are rooted from our own perception. We believe what it is that we perceive. That's why no one person or experience is the same. So parents are constantly projecting onto their children, whether they realize it or not. And so what are you projecting? Are you projecting your traumas? Are you projecting your limiting beliefs, right? Like how many of us have wanted to be something huge and spectacular and then told that's not realistic? Like for me, I wanted to be an actress and a singer, which I was something, I was so dead set on it. But my parents told me, my mom told me go to college first. Right, like prioritize school from such a young age. I was told I was going to go to UF and be this and be that. None of which happened because none of it was aligned for me. Nothing that I wanted, but because I didn't become those things because I thought that's what I was supposed to be. There was a big feeling of failure within me because I didn't meet the standards that were set on me, placed on me. Children need 
the ability to be able to make decisions for themselves and trust in themselves. When we ask children, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? Like, why do they have to think that far ahead? And why, like, why do they think about their careers and their futures and their marriages if that's even what they want, right? Like break that societal norm. You have no idea what these kids are going to want when they're adult human beings. So what if we just instead taught them, like, I just want to be happy. I just want to be myself, right? Like one of my favorite things that I would teach my kids when they would do something and, you know, they would color a picture and they'd show it to me. I'd be like, do you love it? Are you proud of it? And they would say yes. And they'd be like, then that's all that matters right? Like that's all that matters. So on top of that, you know, teaching compassion and forgiveness to these children, letting them learn how to communicate their wants and needs and their feelings, letting them have their tantrums too, right? I think that's something that we're all so quick to do when a kid is crying is like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Or like, you know, let's give them a lollipop to make them feel better. And it's like, no, how about you just sit? and breathe with them and let them have their emotions. Let them learn how to self-soothe. It's because we as adults didn't get, like learn how to self-soothe ourselves. We didn't learn how to do that. We didn't learn how to take care of ourselves in our tantrums. So that's the biggest connection that I see among parents is like their beliefs are being put onto their children. And those beliefs are the the limiting beliefs that probably kept them from living the lives that they want to live. So how can we break that pattern? How can we, or how can I, I guess in my business or as a society, look at ourselves objectively and think like, okay, well, what are the things that I've allowed to hold me back? And am I spreading that to other people? Am I, am I teaching that to others, especially such easily influenced young ones, right? Like so many things too, like my, like body image, right? One of the affirmations I always had my kids say was, I love my body. I'd have them look in the mirror and and I would say, say, I love you and say one really nice thing to yourself. That's so beautiful. Yeah, because imagine that's something that I I do myself as an adult that I encourage other people to do because you're creating intimacy because it's you at the end of the day, right? Like just you yourself and no one else. And so the relationship you have with yourself is the most important one at the end of the day. So teaching children to nurture that relationship as early as possible and therefore also teaching parents to do that so they can like an ABA generalize it right like these kids are only going to do those things when they're with me how about they do them with their parents how about they do them just in general and how about the parents do it too because it's good for them and for their inner child so that's really what my dream has been for mindful munchkins is teaching parents what I've been teaching the kids because the parents will benefit from it so greatly and so much healing will take place there and they can do it together too. Like you can become closer to your children that way. So um, that's, I think what, I hope that answers your question. That's really just what came out. As you asked. Yeah, no, no, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. It's a- amazing. 
I'm just going to quickly interrupt myself to tell you that I have just started a new Facebook group which is called the Missing Peace Community and this is for anybody who is going on their own journey of self-discovery, they're learning to reconnect to themselves, maybe they're feeling like they're going through a spiritual awakening or maybe they're just curious about this whole journey. So really it's to create a safe space for like-minded people to support and guide each other. If this is something that resonates with you, please feel free to come and join us. I will link it in the show notes below or just search for the Missing Peace community on Facebook. Now back to the episode. I just love the way that you kind of talk about the importance of that self-awareness of a child to, to know themselves and, and their own, like what they think, what they feel, all these feelings are valid. And um, But you said as well about that kind of integrative process of going through it with their parents whilst their parents are healing and it's kind of like a whole journey that you're going on together which you know we always talk about wanting to feel connected and this connection with your family and what other beautiful way than you know maybe as a parent you'd be healing but at the same time you're you're letting your child thrive in the way that maybe you weren't able to from something that's you know an inter intergenerational issue that's gone on in your family so I think that's so beautiful so in terms of um say someone's listening to this and they're just they're feeling like, yeah, I can kind of relate to a bit of this. Like, how how do they then start their journey towards healing their inner child? How like where do they even begin? And also, it it doesn't sound easy, and I know it myself as well. And you, it's it's not easy. So like, how do we then go? Yeah, it is worth doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's not easy, right? I think a big reason that so many of us are still where we are in places that we don't want to be is because we know that once we sit still, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up that we've been trying not to face, right? That's why we're workaholics. That's why, you know, we're always on the go, 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 because it's sometimes it's just so much easier to, to push it all away. But the thing is, is that you can push it down and push it down and push it down, but it's going to come up eventually right? It's, it's your, your cup is going to overflow and not in the good way, not in the way like that we want, you want your cup to be full, but not with like negativity, right? You, you're going to, it's going to burst. And the way it's going to burst is in things like traffic, right? Like, why do you think there's so many people who are just so quick to road rage, right? Like you, are you really actually that mad that someone cut you off or that the light is red? Like, you don't just get that mad that quickly, Right. Like, and, and honestly, that's why there are things like school shootings and just, and crime in general and anger and abusive relationships and alcoholism and addiction is because there is something inside that is not well, that is not at ease. And so we're finding other ways to either numb it or release it because it does need to come out. It can manifest into physical pain. It can manifest into disease. So Yes, it's it's hard and it hurts to face all that's there, but it's so much more painful to be living a life disconnected to who we truly are, to live a life in which we're constantly held back from our past than to take the momentary, temporary feelings of discomfort, release them in a healthy way and find peace within ourselves. I think that's why it's worth doing is because peace is our birthright. It's what we deserve. It is our natural state of being. And it just takes 
sitting down and remembering that and remembering to ask for help too, because it can feel like a lonely journey to, to, to face all these things. That's why therapy is so important. That's why coaching is so beneficial because you have someone who's been there, who's trained or who has the skills to guide you as you're facing a lot of darkness that you've been pushing away for a long time. But the more darkness you release, the more space you make for light, right? Like you are not meant to live in darkness. You are meant to shine your light brightly because your joy is needed in the world. The world is such a better place when you are living in your joy. And if you're not living in your joy, it's because something is disturbing your peace. And so one of the ways that you can get started is just by acknowledging that maybe there's something there that you haven't been addressing. And then asking yourself, what have I been doing that's been keeping me from feeling? And you don't have to do everything at once, but just being aware and acknowledging is already such a huge step. And then having the willingness to change. Right, because maybe you're like, I'm not there yet. I don't want to change. I, I don't feel like changing right now. It just sounds too scary. What if you just say you're willing to change? Well, if you're just willing to keep an open mind about it. And then I really truly believe the universe will take over and give you these little steps, right? That you can take these little synchronicities, right? Like I got a massive one when I got all this time given myself where I, you know, I wanted to start quitting my jobs because I was like, I never have time for myself. I miss myself. And then boom, I got all the time in the world. <laughs> like, and we all did. And I think that's also why some people struggled in quarantine is because we didn't have the day-to-day -day busyness keeping us from feeling. We had to look at our lives as they were. And that's why so many people were like, oh my God, I'm not doing what I love. How have I been spending all of this time? And a lot of beauty came from that because a lot of people were like, you know what, I am going to pursue this dream that I want. I am going to go for this. I think a lot of pain occurred in the quarantine 100% and also a lot of re being reborn came about. A lot of new came about. So just start where you're at, right? Like wherever you just start where you're at honor where you're at, stop judging yourself, stop being mean to yourself, take a good hard look at yourself and trust honestly and truly that whatever it is that you're doing, any way that you're numbing yourself, believe it or not, that's coming from a place of self-love. Even if you hate yourself, even if like you have nothing nice to say about yourself, that's just a form of protection. That's just something that you were taught in childhood. That's your ego. Your ego is your inner child, essentially. And it was molded based on your external experiences to protect you and keep you safe. But the true reality is that like from a, from a spiritual level, your soul can never be hurt and you can never actually, your soul can never be tarnished, right? Like you're safe. And it's remembering to come back to that safety, remembering that you are not in your past anymore. You are in the present moment, and so you no longer have to protect yourself, right? So trust that your mode of protection is a form of self-love, and that the first thing to do is just start practicing forgiving yourself. Be willing to forgive yourself. Start to find ways to break your pattern of self-destruction, whatever that is. Get a therapist. Get a coach. Start journaling. Take 
even 30 seconds within the day to calm your nervous system and breathe. There's so many ways that you can calm your nervous system because that's what getting triggered is. It's reliving the experience all over again as if it's happening right now. Your body doesn't know that it's not actually happening right now. So finding ways to calm your nervous system and just celebrating those things, celebrating those little efforts. Stop telling yourself that it's not enough. Like if you took just 30 seconds to breathe and that's all you did for yourself, high five, good for you. That's that's 30 seconds you gave yourself today that you didn't give yourself yesterday. And that 30 seconds will turn into a minute and that minute will turn into 90 seconds and then two minutes and so on and so on. It's just a habit. Right now, the habit is hating yourself and, and negative self-talk. So how can you interrupt that habit? How can you interrupt that behavior? Right? How can you put those negative thoughts on extinction and behavioral therapy is what it's called. How can you just push them to the side and choose a new belief? Think of something that brings you joy. So that's what I think reparenting yourself is like is in general. It's, it's reparenting is like, okay, I can't change my parents. I have to trust that those were the perfect parents for me. What do I feel my inner child needs right now? And only you can answer that. And only you will know the answer to that when you take the time to stop and listen. And you have to acknowledge that you, just like your parents, are not going to be the perfect parent, right? There is no such thing. But also know you're never going to stop being your own parent. So it's going to be a lifelong journey and the journey never ends. And you're always going to learn something new about yourself. And there's always going to be room for growth, but you're going to get better and better at it. And so every time, you know, and the negative thoughts don't go away, but you're going to be more resilient. You're going to be able to catch those thoughts even quicker. You're going to be able to move them aside even quicker. Start giving yourself hugs, right? Like even in just in hugging yourself, the there's meridian points on your elbows that are very calming for your nervous system. And um, if there's even a method, it's called havening. So this is havening. And then in um, in energy medicine, it's called a triple warmer. I don't remember the name of it, but triple warmer is the, is the fight or flight energy system. So calming that part of yourself can help too. So you're simultaneously giving yourself a hug and love and energetically calming yourself. So that's that's just a tip that I wanted to give within starting is just start where you're at. Learn to forgive yourself. Learn to forgive your parents. Practice one thing at a time. Breathe. Calm your nervous system and keep going. Keep going because it never ends. Wow. Well, that's a yeah, jam-packed full of advice there. I think that's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely going to be taking some of that on. I didn't know about the kind of calming on your room. I don't know that much about Meridian uh, lines and, and whatnot so that's that's really cool I'm gonna definitely implement that in my day and and really what you're kind of talking about there which I think is so beautiful is this slowing down and just connecting to yourself you are your greatest teacher like you said and you have everything within you and so often we when we decide to choose to like heal our inner child you know we have this idea that there's an end result that we must get to straight away and it's like let's go yeah like let's go 100% in and like what can I do for 10 hours a day to sort this but like you said just make it start small and I can attest for myself and I'm sure you can for your journey as well that it was just starting small and eventually you you notice the benefits and you're like 
oh wow yeah I'm gonna do a little bit more of this or oh I get curious what else can I do and so um so yeah I think them tips have been really valuable thank you so much for sharing and um just as we wrap up the podcast I would love for you to let the audience know where they can find you and what you're offering at the moment Thank you so much. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. My DBA under Mindful Munchkins is True Self Guidance and Healing. You can also find me on Google. If you Google that in, you'll find me there. Right now, um, I do offer working with kids. I'm a children's yoga teacher. I'm a private yoga teacher. I do private Reiki as well. And I am a mindset and spirituality coach. So if you're seeking to heal the relationship that you have with yourself. You want to learn how to love yourself and the world around you unconditionally as we are meant to. That's what I'm here for. So reach out to me if you're ready to do the work, if you're ready to discover your inner light, heal your inner child. I'm here to support you however I can. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Steph. I'll link everything in the show notes for people, you know, who are interested there. So the coaching, you can do the coaching online, but in terms of the kind of like yoga and uh, teaching as well, is that online or is that more based where you're at in Miami? That's an amazing question. I appreciate you asking. You can absolutely do yoga virtual and Reiki virtual. I actually did my yoga teacher training all throughout quarantine virtually and Reiki is energy. So I do it virtually because I like to be face-to-face with my clients, but they're actually, um, I could technically give you Reiki by just telling you like, okay, lay down between the hours of 10 and 11 and I'm going to send you Reiki and you'll feel it. Uh, I just prefer to be face-to-face with my clients because I also give spiritual guidance uh, with my clients and I do an angel card reading. So I think it's a lot more personal and interactive in that way, which is nice. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So yes, thanks again so much, Steph, for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's just been really lovely talking to you. Likewise, Becca, seriously, I really enjoyed this. And I appreciate your uh, giving me a platform to share my experiences. And thank you all so much for listening. Hey, everybody, before you go, I have recorded a surrender meditation, which is perfect for anyone who is feeling a lot of resistance in their life, feeling tension in their body and struggling to relax and find calm. It is also great for you if you're feeling lost, directionless, maybe as though you lack purpose, and is a short recording that you can use every day to release this tension and learn to go with the flow. If you'd like to receive this, all you need to do is write an honest review about the podcast, screenshot this review and send it to rebeccaguy at live.co.uk and I will send a meditation straight over to your inbox. Everything will be linked in the show notes below. I hope you enjoyed the episode and see you next week.